The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Tonight, we journey into the realm of the unexplained with our special guest, Malcolm Robinson. A seasoned investigator of the supernatural, Malcolm has dedicated his life to unraveling the mysteries that challenge our understanding of reality. From ghostly apparitions in the quaint villages of the British Isles to enigmatic UFO encounters, Malcolm's investigations span a wide spectrum of the paranormal. His meticulous approach, combined with a commitment to presenting unbiased accounts, has made him a respected figure in the field. His investigations are not just mere tales. They are rigorous examinations of phenomena that many dismiss without a second thought. Through interviews, on-site investigations, and a keen analytical mind, Malcolm has brought to light stories that might otherwise have remained in the shadows. His unwavering commitment to presenting unbiased, factual accounts has earned him accolades and respect among both skeptics and believers. But what truly sets Malcolm apart is his ability to weave together the micro and macro aspects of the paranormal. While he recounts individual experiences with precision, he also delves into the broader implications of these events. What do they mean for our understanding of life and death? How do they challenge our perceptions of reality? And in a world where seeing is believing, how do we come to terms with experiences that defy our very senses? His exploration of topics like cellular memory pushes us to reconsider our understanding of consciousness and identity. And his insights into life after death offer a comforting perspective on one of humanity's most enduring questions. As we prepare to dive into this captivating conversation, remember to keep an open mind. The world is vast, filled with mysteries, and sometimes the answers lie just beyond what we can see or comprehend. So, fasten your seatbelts and open your minds. Malcolm Robinson is here to take us on a journey through the enigmatic, the eerie, and the extraordinary. He's coming up next. Welcome to Veritas. If this is your first time listening, welcome home. To access tonight's full interview and all of our exclusive material, simply join the Veritas Plus family by clicking on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. And while you're there, don't forget to check out the Veritas store for a range of great products, including focused life force energy. Experience the power of FLFE with a 15-day free trial today. No credit card required. Discover the Veritas Digest series on Amazon. Multiple volumes, each unveiling the truths they don't want you to know. It's more than just reading. It's an awakening. Secure your copies today. If you're looking to get in touch with Mel, have a guest suggestion, or would like to provide feedback, simply click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. So sit back, relax, and enjoy tonight's show. And now here's your host, Mel Hustelrick. And to explore Britain's deepest paranormal mysteries, directly from Scotland, I'd like to welcome Malcolm Robinson. Hello, Malcolm, and welcome to Veritas. Hi, it's a pleasure to be on your show. My pleasure. And by the way, just to let the audience know, I told you this offline, we're recording this interview on the 4th of October. 
And about an hour from now, and 20 minutes before the FEMA and the emergency alert system broadcast is supposed to begin. So I'm in the studio. I have my cell phone off and wrapped in aluminum foil. So I hope we don't get interrupted by it, Malcolm. I certainly hope not, but uh, we'll see how it goes. So, Malcolm, every great journey has a beginning. Your journey into the paranormal world is filled with intrigue and passion. I'm curious about what started it all. Well, I've always been interested in strange phenomena. Um, Ever since I was a small boy growing up in Scotland, I had this deep-held fascination for all things weird and wonderful. Um, My parents used to take us on trips down to England, and we went to fun fairs, uh, and I always headed for the ghost train, would you believe? And I just found this fascinating, going through in the carriages, the dark rooms, and things falling about your face. And as I got older, I started to um, read the books by Charles Fort, uh, Eric Bandaniken. I watched shows like The Outer Limits, uh, The Twilight Zone. And of course, I was fascinated by the movies coming from the States, uh, movies like The Day the Earth Stood Still, What of the Worlds, Forbidden Planet. And of course, let's not forget, we shouldn't uh, forget about Star Trek, the uh, James Shatner. And um, yeah, great, great show. So... Oh, that was a kind of fuel for this fire. And uh, in 1979, I formed my own society entitled Strange Phenomena Investigations. And the aims of SPI are effectively to collect, research and publish accounts relating to most aspects of strange phenomena and to purposely endeavour to try and come up with some answers to account for what at present eludes us. Now, we don't hold or express any preconceived ideas as to the nature of the many events of which we research, we tend to keep an open mind. So what happened? Because obviously a lot of people start in this field and they just want to debunk it. They, they say this is not true. It's impossible. UFOs, ghosts. But in your case, you started opening doors and realized that there's when there's smoke, there's fire. What was that defining moment for you? Well, I think there were many. Um, I mean, I've had a few childhood experiences myself, which we may come to later in the show. But I guess the the event or the ufological event that took me off the proverbial sceptical fence was one of Scotland's biggest UFO cases, which actually occurred in 1979 uh, to forestry worker Robert Taylor in Deckment Woods uh, near Livingston, and which is near Edinburgh in central Scotland and basically it's a big big case but basically what happened there was he was employed by the Livingston Development Corporation in the forestry department. Uh, He had no belief whatsoever in UFOs, of course he'd heard about it and saw bits and pieces on the news but he was just a man who wanted to get on with his job, he he didn't you know think anything about these airy fairy things in the sky, what a load of nonsense he thought so he had no interest in that. And I should point out to yourself and your lovely listeners that he was, in the past, a war hero. He fought in the Second World War through France, Germany, Belgium. He was in a tank regiment that actually liberated Bergen-Belsen. And we all know the horrors of that place. And so when he when he um, went through his life, obviously the war had finished. He, he came back to Scotland. He settled down. So here we are in 1979. He's in his pickup truck, he's, and sitting next to him on the seat was his Irish red setter dog, Lara. So they, dro- they drove into the woods, 
they got out of the pickup truck because, you know, they couldn't go any further. And uh, they were walking down this forestry path, trees to the left, trees to the right, walking down. Suddenly that path opened up into about a 30 or 40 feet clearing, a gentle sloping little field. And he could not believe what he was looking at because there, in front of him, about 50, 60 feet hovering above the surface of the sloping field was this large dome-shaped object with a flange going around its perimeter and cross-like projections sticking up from the flange. And he's standing, staring at this. Then it started to dematerialize, then rematerialize. He could see the young trees in the background when it disappeared. Then it was solidified. His dog was bark, bark, barking furiously at this thing. And he knew, like most close proximity UFO witnesses know, <laughs> oh, come on, this is not an aircraft. This is not a helicopter. What, what is this? And as if the thing, the strange event, could not get any more bizarre, it did. Because what happened then was what resembled two Second World War sea mines, those mines you got in the North Atlantic, circular mines with the prod sticking up, bouncing in the water, any ship that came in contact with it, bang, would have exploded. Well, similar to that, two of them, similar to that, descended from beneath this hovering object impacted on the grass and started rolling across the grass towards him. Now, needless to say, he was absolutely terrified at this. Then he stopped. Then he projected these rod-like projections at his hips, pulling him on his trousers very, very forcibly towards this larger object. At this point, he remembers a horrible burning smell, like burning brake linings, as if you had applied the brakes in your car very, very quickly and the smell comes through the footwell. And then he also recalls a, a, a swishing sound, like as if you had a, a cane and swished it, then bang, he lost consciousness. When he regained consciousness, thank goodness, this large object, whatever it was, was gone. The smaller object was gone. And he found that there were over 40 holes and impressions in the grass also, two track-like marks as well. He had a nasty graze under his chin. He had a graze on his head. He had a pounding headache. Uh, he was disorientated. His clothes were muddy. His trousers were torn. So he walked back to the pickup truck to radio base to tell his boss that, hey, something weird has happened here. But he couldn't speak. He, he had lost his voice. His voice was dry. And he, he sadly, he got in the truck and he couldn't, his coordination was all over the place. The back wheels were spinning in a ditch. He, he had to leave the truck and he walked and staggered back to his home. Now, when he approached his front door, his wife had seen him through the kitchen window and she went out and she says, what, what's happened to you? And he said, and I can only relate to you and your lovely listeners as what he said. He said, I've been attacked. And his wife went, attacked? Attacked by who? By men? He went, no, by, by a spaceship thing. And she says, look, come in. Don't be so silly. Come in. You know. And then she went, wait a minute. I've been married to this man for well over 30, 40 years. He's not the man to make up fanciful stories like this. And she began to realize that something strange was going on. 
So she called in the local doctor because, you know, Bob was complaining of this pounding headache. His heart was elevated. The doctor attended the family home. He did the rudimentary tests. Yes, he was. his heart was really beating fast. And he saw the abrasions and, you know, cuts under his, neck, under his chin and his forehead. And he saw that his trousers were torn. So the story goes that he says, look, I think you should go to hospital. Uh, Bangor Hospital is only a short distance away. So he went to the hospital and he sat in the waiting room for hours after hours. He waited, he waited two hours. Nobody came near him, so he discharged himself. By this time, he went back to his house and his boss, Robert Taylor, the witness's boss, was there. And he says, right, OK, come up to Deckman Woods. Let, I'll show you. I'll show you these marks in the grass. And lo and behold, the marks were there. So to continue with the story, what happened then was that this was treated as an assault by person or persons unknown. This was a full-blooded police investigation and forensic investigation. Now, I was there the, a day or so after the event. I saw the marks in the grass. The, the area had been fenced off uh, by a kind of picket fence, or not a picket fence, a wire kind of mesh fence. And I interviewed a number of the serving police officers who attended uh, that investigation. Now, the trousers were submitted to forensic testing at Edinburgh. And the forensic scientist, a gentleman by the name of Lester Nibb, has been on record as saying that these trousers were ripped in an upwards manner. They were not caused by any forest debris, i.e. any sharp sticks, sharp stones, barbed wire fencing, that these were mechanically pulled upwards. And these were heavy-duty serge material trousers. You know, they're not flimsy see-through trousers. These were real, really thick. And um, to this day, we still don't know truly what happened. Uh, I, I wrote a book about it where I give 11 theories to possibly explain the case, because even though I believe wholeheartedly that humankind is dealing with some form of non-human intelligence, I'm still so, so sceptical. Every case I go into, has got to, you've got to you know, show me the proof, show me the proof, you know. So um, we erected, in 1993, we erected a cairn with a plaque denoting a, a bizarre event transpired there. And then a few years ago, with the help of the West Lothian Council, I managed to get some signage put up in the woods, way markers, you know, a board telling the people all about the case. Because, you know, people were coming from all over the world to see this, this site and they, they couldn't find it. They didn't know where in the forest it was. So thankfully, you know, that signage is now up in the woods. Um, it's just like Rendlesham Forest. You know, you've got signage in Rendlesham Forest in Suffolk in England. A big, big case transpired there in 1980 with American Air Force personnel, British bobbies, etc. So it's great to have that. And I always remember Bob Taylor, the witness, he says, Malcolm, how I wish you had been there and how I wish my dog could talk. And um, yeah, it's a very puzzling case. And it was that case that took me off the fence, that one there. And I'm looking at the case here, and for some reason, you, you're probably aware of the story of Travis Walton. Two, two things that come to mind. And number one, they both work in the Forest Service, where they were you know, working with trees and cutting trees. 
And um, there's a criminal investigation. Well, with Travis, it's totally different. He disappeared for days. But in this case, it was because of the attack and what he reported that they started investigating this on a criminal basis, saying that it was robots. But in the end, after a decade, this is still considered unknown, right? Yeah, I mean, even today, there's still some controversy, sadly, about the Travis Walton case. Some of his friends are coming back on that, saying it was it was a hoax, it was this, it was that. I mean, I haven't obviously studied the case. Uh, I'm aware of what all went on. I saw Fire in the Sky, the movie. And uh, I would tend to believe that Travis's uh, event is, is, is true. You know, he had nothing really to gain from it. If anything, he was... He was going to be lambasted. He was going to lose face. You know, it, it, it didn't do him any favours. And that's the same to any UFO witnesses. They are reluctant to come forward. And I'm sure you'll agree that for every uh, five people who put their hands up and come forward and say, yep, yeah, I've seen a UFO, how many people behind those five people would not dare come forward for fear of ridicule? So I think the, the UFO stats probably are much more higher, not just in the UK, but I dare say America and Canada, that, um, than we'll ever know, because there are a lot of reluctant witnesses out there. Totally agree with you. And I've met Travis. I've never interviewed him because so many people have interviewed him. I don't want to be repetitive. He's never yeah. changed his story, so I don't think I have anything to add, other than I've met him in person several times. I've also met his friends in person who were there with him in a few conferences and what I've been yeah. told by Travis is that a lot of it is ego. They were kind of secondary parts of the story. So I don't know. I you know I wasn't there, like you say. Show me yeah. the proof. But in the meantime, he's never changed his story. Yeah, and it's it's such a shame that um, Hollywood put kind of what we call salt and pepper and made arms and legs in the fire in the sky story. You know, yes. um, I'm so annoyed at that. And they, they did they did that with a very famous Scottish warrior. Uh, who, uh, you know, Braveheart, the movie, Mel Gibson played uh, William Wallace. And that was, a, that was a great movie. However, it was only about 65 historically correct. And it really pains me that Hollywood do that to certain American heroes and Scottish heroes. And they, they just want to paint a lovely picture. The, the French princess that William Wallace met in the movie, she did exist, but about three, four hundred years later, not at that time. So, yeah, what they did to Travis at Fire in the Sky movie was it's a great shame. It's Hollywood. They just look for sensationalism to sell tickets, and we understand that. But UFO sightings, as you know, they evoke a sense of wonder and intrigue. This is what's what keeps me going all the time because of the unknown. How do these encounters differ from other paranormal experiences, both in terms of the evidence they leave behind and the impact they have on witnesses? Well, there's no denying that they, they leave a terrible impact on low-level close proximity witnesses, more so UFO abductees, and I'll give you a case very shortly on that. Um, but yeah, they, it's quite tragic, you know, they're taking people from the comfort of their own homes or their family vehicle without consent. They're uh, allegedly doing all these experiments on and people have asked me, you know, is, is there a crossover between the paranormal and UFOs? And I've only ever, ever had one experience of that. And that's when we were doing some UFO research uh, down in a place called Devon in England. And it was a, a family home away out in the country, you know, just st stood alone. 
And this lady was talking about the UFOs that she had seen there, and then she shut up. I went, no, continue, madam, continue. Oh, no, you, you'll just laugh. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.